you would, go ahead and flip with me to Ephesians chapter 6. That's where we still are, but we're getting close to being done. And I'll flip there as well. So I wonder how you have all been this week. I've seen at least a couple of yawns, so I know that some of you have had tiring weeks. I wonder if you, over these last several weeks as we've been talking about the armor of God, I wonder if some of you have found added strength or protection in some of these things we've been talking about. That was the basic message of our passage we've been studying for weeks now. Be strong because you do have a real enemy who really is after you. And you need the full, entire armor of God to survive. So we've talked about how you need the truth to hold you together like a belt. You need righteousness to guard your heart like a breastplate of armor. Last week, we talked about how you need gospel readiness, the preparation that comes from the gospel to remain agile, able to move out on the battlefield. I wonder if some of you have been putting these on to a greater extent. I hope so. I hope so. Today, we're going to talk about faith. You've been at church for a long time. I'm sure you have heard people talk about faith before. We're going to talk about faith again. Because we need faith like we need a shield in battle. We need faith to protect us from the arrows from the enemy. And there are arrows. He is shooting at you. I know people who are trying to propel themselves through life on their own and they're failing. I know someone close to me who tried to shield himself from harm with career, with family, with good neighborhood, nice home, and it failed him. Because the enemy can shoot through that. I know people who are still hiding their true selves under just this fake veneer of, of an act, a pretense, because they're afraid of people getting to know the real them. And it's not working for them. They're trying to shield themselves and it's not working. I know people who are just bursting with impatience and discontentment. Their lives are not good. I know people who are being eaten away from the inside with bitterness. It's like an acid inside them and just eating them away. Their shields are failing them. I know people who are just plain ready to throw in the towel. We had a um, youth lock-in Friday night. So if I pass out and tumble down the stairs, that's why. I'm an old man now. Lock-ins are not easy on me. But we had a lock-in and all the youth were there. And during the Bible study, I I should have seen this coming, but it was unexpected to me. Um, We were talking about the scripture we were studying and it became obvious that Several of them considered themselves worriers, not warriors, worriers, like worrying, like you're worried. Warriors, everybody with that? It's a hard word to, to enunciate well. Several of these teens who are so happy-go-lucky, I mean, they're the best group to hang around in the world. They laugh constantly, they're hilarious, bursting with life and possibilities, and they're worriers. And so I said, well, raise your hand if you consider yourself a worrier. Every single one of them raised their hand. So some of you might think, oh, it's just me. I'm the one who's plagued with anxieties and worry. But that's because I have this responsibility, this responsibility, this responsibility, you know, whatever. This is universal. 
Satan is, is on the prowl. He's attacking every demographic in our church. We need this. You need this. So let's read this passage together. If you would, in, in honor of the reading of God's word, stand with me. As we read from Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10, Paul writes, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. By the power of your Holy Spirit, may... It speak to us, to our hearts this morning. May everyone's ears be filled with your voice and not mine this morning. And we'll give you all the glory for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Now, when this audience heard the word shield in that passage, they had a certain thing that, that they had a certain type of shield that came to mind. I don't know what you visualize when you heard shield in that passage. What do you visualize? Like Captain America's little round shield with the star in the middle? Back then, they would have visualized a huge, heavy shield that, that could protect their entire body from arrows that might get, hit them. It was a big shield that they could crouch behind and it could protect their entire body. Now, some of you, as we've gone through this series, like when we talked about truth... You recognize some vulnerabilities there. That maybe you don't know this truth all that well right now in your walk. You're growing. But you recognize there's a lot you don't know. And you recognize some vulnerability there. The shield Paul's referring to will cover that. When we talked about righteousness, some of you may have recognized a little vulnerability there. Some of you may still have a hard time accepting that you are righteous in Jesus Christ. And so you have his lingering guilt and shame and all these things. The shield Paul is talking about can cover those vulnerabilities while you grow, while you learn to strap on that breastplate well. Last week, gospel readiness. Some of you may have recognized some vulnerabilities there that maybe you aren't fluent in the gospel still. Maybe you are a Christian, you have accepted Christ, but you couldn't articulate that gospel to someone else. Or even to yourself, as you need it during the day. The shield that Paul's talking about can, can cover that vulnerability too. So this is an important part of the puzzle. You need this shield. So let's, let's study it here. And again, this is all of this passage is so abstract. 
Don't you just wish you could, I could hand out magic shields that you could actually use to fend off Satan's attacks? I wish I had something like that I could give you. That would be so much easier, wouldn't it? Some sort of a magical thing you could just sit in front of you. You know, some, a lot of religions do this. They'll put, you can hang stuff over your door to, to ward off evil spirits. Because we want something visible. We want something visible to protect us from the invisible dangers that we all know are out there. But that's not what God gives us. He says, faith is your shield. So it's getting cold now. And you guys know how to shield yourselves and your families from the cold. Insulation, close the doors, close the windows. Get some caulk, caulk any cracks, keep the heat in. You know how to shield yourself from the weather. Do you know how to shield yourself from Satan's attacks, like, like the anxiety that we just talked about? About your families. You know how to shield them from that. You can keep them warm, can you keep them safe from that? You know how to shield from burglars, everybody has their deadbolts locked, you know, their motion lights that'll come on. You know how to shield yourselves from that visible attack. But can you shield your family from the relational disputes, the fractures, the divorces, the, the children that just say, forget it, I'm out of here, I'm not listening to you anymore. How do you shield from that? Man, I wish there was a lock or something visible to shield from that. Some of you foodies know how to shield your family and yourself from trans fats. You can protect yourself physically from these evil Whatever they are, I have no idea even what trans fats mean, but I know that it's some sort of evil, apparently. <laughs> you know to stay away from everything that ends in Edo's. <laughs> you can shield from that, but can you shield from depression that sucks people in? We can shield ourselves from fear, spirit, sorry, physical dangers. But we are weak when it comes to shielding ourselves and our families from spiritual dangers. We're weak in this area. So we need this shield. And God says, I've given you a shield that, read that verse, can stop most of the flaming arrows of the evil one. At least the easy arrows, maybe not the, like, the really tough ones like the depression or the anxieties. But most of them, this shield will shield you from. Is that what the thing says? What does it say? All. Yeah, all. God has given us something that can shield us from all of the arrows Satan shoots at us. So we need to figure out what faith is. And I know you're like, oh man, I've been at church for decades. I know by now. Well, maybe you do. Let's see. Flip with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 11. This won't be on the screen, but if you flip there... I want you to see it for yourself. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. What is faith? If faith is this shield for the invisible attacks of Satan, we need to figure out what it is. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, 
the conviction of things not seen. Some of your translations may say that it's the substance of things hoped for. Some of them might say it's the assurance of things expected. Some of them might say it's the evidence of things not seen. There's different ways to put it. Now faith, this is what faith is. It is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. In other words, being convinced of things even though you don't see them. So I'm going to boil it down a little further even to give it something to just stick in your minds. Faith is, very simply, confidence in God. Faith is just confidence in God. Confidence that God did act in the way he said he did. That he is acting in your life the way he says he is. And that he will act in your life the way he promised he will. Faith is confidence in an unseen God. And that's the trick. He's unseen. You can't see him. That's why it's so hard. It's so hard to hoist this shield because you can't see him. I mean, we have this. We have the Bible. And, it's, you know, this is a visible thing. But what we have to trust in is invisible. Now, if I could bring up here... If I said, all right, I've got a special surprise for you. I have a special guest. And I could bring out here some guy. He comes out. He's wearing a suit. No, I'll give you somebody you know. Oprah's here. Okay? Oprah is here in the building. Everybody starts filling in their seats to see if there's some awesome giveaway under there. (laughs) Oprah is here. And she comes in. And everybody goes crazy. Women just pass out and faint in the aisle. And I say, guess what? Oprah is going to go home with you. Oprah Winfrey, not Oprah Jones or some other Oprah. Oprah Winfrey is going to go home with you. And she is going to relieve your feelings of guilt and shame. You're never going to have those again. This lady that you can see, she's actually going to do this for you. Now you could get your mind around that, couldn't you? You start to feel some hope. (coughs) Oprah's not here, by the way. Or, a little less exciting, if I pulled out of a folder... This spreadsheet, on this spreadsheet was these plans. And it was a step-by-step plan for how you could get yourself over whatever your sinful temptation is that you can't seem to get over. If it's, some, if it's sexual temptation, somebody in here might be hooked on pornography or something. If I, could, I gave you a, a physical sheet of paper that says, follow this, this is going to get you out of this. You could get your mind around that. You could grab that and say, yeah, I can, I can handle that. Or if I pulled out of my pocket a pill and I handed it to you, this pill you could see, you could hold it in your hand. I said, this pill is going to enable you to see clearly what's true in every conversation with your spouse. All the little arguments where things you're like, how are we not connected here? Take this pill and it's going to sort that out for you. You could get your mind around that. You could, you could get excited about that. But I don't have any of those things for you. What I have is invisible. Yet again, a preacher or teacher is up here telling you to have faith in the invisible God. I have nothing tangible to hand you. God gave us himself and his promises, both unseen. So how can you possibly grow in confidence in something so unseen? 
And I don't just mean say that you're confident in him. You know how people would just say, oh, you got to have faith. It's just like, just throw it out there. I don't mean just say it. I mean, how can you really grow in confidence in this unseen God? How do you grow in confidence for anything that's unseen? I was listening to the youth talk Friday night, and some of them, you know, it's around Halloween. There's some abandoned old house way deep out in the woods somewhere by one of their houses. This isn't one of the kids that actually goes here on Sunday mornings. He goes to another church on Sunday mornings. But So a couple of nights ago, I don't know what it was, maybe Thursday night, they went out in the middle of the night to this abandoned house out in the woods. I think only one of them had a flashlight to make it extra scary. I do not condone this. This was not a youth-sponsored outing. I just heard about it later. So they went out in the middle of the night to the abandoned house. I don't know anything about the house. But I want you to imagine that you're out there with them. And you're with the guy with the flashlight. And you go creaking up the stairs. And you go up to the second floor. And all this is creepy. Let's see what's on the third floor. And you go up to the third floor. And the third floor is extra dilapidated because the roof is like caved in. And some rain had gotten in there. And so the flooring is sort of rotted. And some of it's missing. It would be real easy to just like fall right through to your death. But you're teenagers. That doesn't matter to you. But then the guy with the flashlight leaves. And you're up there in the pitch black dark. On the third floor of a rotting, dilapidated old shack. Okay? Can you put yourself there? Can you picture it? This is the Halloween portion of the sermon to be in the holiday season. Okay. How do you find your way out? How do you gain enough confidence in any part of that flooring that you can't see, that you know is, may not be there? How do you gain enough confidence to step out of there? Will you just stand there 12 hours till daybreak and then take a step? Or is there a way to gain confidence in something unseen? What would you do? Well, you sort of lay your foot out there like a dead fish. Just <laughs> see if, keep all your weight on the one that you know is okay and test it. And then when you feel something that feels kind of solid, you put a little more weight. And a little more weight. And so, yeah, I can put all my weight on this. Now, I think that some of us in here have no faith because we have never put any weight on God at all. It is possible. It is possible that you could have perfect attendance at church for decades and yet still not put weight on God. So I need you to think about that. When you pray over your meals and you thank God for this food, are you really standing on God saying, God, you provided this for me. My weight is on you. Thank you. You came through again. Or are you clutching to your job and you stick that little prayer foot over here. Thank you, God. But really you're relying on your job for that. Really think. Because it's in the areas of faithlessness that we're most vulnerable to Satan's attacks. Faith is our shield, so in the areas where we aren't living by faith, but we're living by sight, that's where we're vulnerable. So I have a test for you. This is going to hopefully help us to see where we are with this. It's just five questions, but if you fail, you are kicked out of the church. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It is a five-question test. How... How are we doing as a church, as individuals within the church, 
and using this shield God has given us. Now, faith in Him. Okay, question number one. On what do you lean for peace? What do you lean on for peace? In your life, where is most of your weight resting for peace right now? What gives you the most peace of mind? What do you turn to when the stress and the uncertainty get high? Is it the things you can see? Your spouse, your kids, your pills, your bottles, your TV, your golf courses, your purchases? Is it stuff that you can see that you you lean on for peace? Or is it the unseen God who said this? And I'll read it to you. Don't flip there. But in Isaiah 41.10. Do you lean on the God who said this? Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Satan really, our enemy really wants us to keep putting our weight on these things we can see, our spouse, our kids, our pills, our bottles, our golf courses, our TVs, or whatever. He really wants us to keep putting our weight there. And he wants us to live the rest of our lives plagued with anxieties and worries. He doesn't want us to realize that the flooring is actually stable. We can step on God and we can rest on God. He will care for us. Question number two. What do you lean on for self-worth and confidence? What do you lean on for self-worth and confidence? What makes you feel valuable as a person? And what gives you the confidence to live your life? Is it things you can see? Your reflection in the mirror? When you look put together, you're confident? Bad hair day? No confidence. Is it the cash and the cards in your wallet that you can see that give you your self-worth and your confidence? Is it the affirmations of the people that you see around you? Or is it the unseen God who carefully wove you in the womb, planned all your days before you were even born, made you in His image, and loves you so much that he, His own Son died for you? Because Satan really wants you to keep putting your weight on these visible things for your confidence and your self-worth. Because he knows that as you do that, you will live the rest of your life ashamed of who you really are, pitying yourself, self-conscious, and discontent. Question number three. What do you lean on for contentment? What is that one thing? Oh, if I just had that, then I'd be content. Now, I'm not talking about satisfaction. It's okay to not be satisfied, you know, to to want to provide a little better for your family, to want to, you know, be able to make enough to feed your kids stuff that doesn't have trans fats in it, to want to get a little bit more physically fit. You know, it's okay to not be satisfied, to want to improve, to want to grow. All those things are good. I'm talking about contentment. The ability to be at ease with, this is where God wants me, this is what I have, 
I'm in his hands. I'm okay. You know, I want to grow, but I'm not miserable. What is it that you still need to be content? Is it something visible? Is it your target weight? Some goal for your savings account? Some lifestyle to attain? Some renovation to accomplish on your house? Some number of friends on your Facebook? A more tranquil family life? It doesn't have to be bad things. But is it something visible that you're putting all your weight on for contentment? Or is it the unseen God who said in John 6.35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. And he who believes in me will never thirst. Satan wants you to keep putting your weight on these visible things around you for your contentment. Because he knows you will be perpetually discontent for the rest of your life. Question four. What do you lean on for victory over temptation? What do you lean on for victory over temptation? What's your source of strength when Satan starts whispering the temptations in your ears? When um, you're tempted to procrastinate in laziness. When you're tempted to neglect the needs of your spouse. When you're tempted to take what isn't yours. Tempted to speak simply against others. Gossip on their back. Whatever. When you're tempted to lust. Whether that's over women or money or stuff. What do you turn to for the strength to have victory over these temptations? Is it stuff you can see? Yourself, behavior modification. I can do this. I can, I can be better than this. than this. I read a book one time. It's one that I've given out to some of the young men I know. And it's about how to overcome, for men, the battle of, of sexual impurity. And one of the tricks in there is like trickery to bounce the eyes. If you see a pretty girl, bounce the eyes. See someone there, bounce the eyes. You're in the checkout line, bounce the eyes. Like just keep bouncing the eyes. You know, and that's, you know, that's helpful. But if that's what you're relying on for victory over temptation, you're not going to last long. Eventually you're going to run into a pole or something and you're going to say, forget that. (laughs) Are you leaning on the things that you can see for victory over temptation? Or are you putting your weight on the unseen God who said in Romans chapter 6, Our old self was crucified with Jesus in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from the sin. Sometimes people just need to believe what God has already done. You really are dead to sin. You don't have to do it anymore. You're dead to it. You're alive to God now. But that's unseen. Satan wants you to keep putting your weight on Yourself for victory over temptation because he knows you'll get stuck in the cycle. The uh, it's resolve. I'm never going to do that. To the temptation, oh, but I kind of want to. To the sin, oh, there I did it. To the regret, oh, I'm an idiot. I can't believe I did it. To the resolve again, I'm never going to do that again. And the temptation comes again. It's just this cycle, cycle, never ending. Satan wants you stuck in that, relying on the things you can see. Rather than putting your weight on the unseen God who can actually deliver you from it. Last question. What do you lean on for joy? What do you lean on for joy? And life? 
Really, what do you lean on for joy? What that you have right now, if it were taken away, you could not be joyful. Visible things like your health, or your family, or your career, or your possessions, or just general good fortune. Is that what we're leaning on for joy in life? Or is it the unseen God who has said, these are several quotes from several different places in scripture. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Serve the Lord with gladness. You shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The Lord will rejoice in doing good to you. Rejoice for your names are written in heaven. Rejoice. These things I speak that your faith may be full, that your joy may be full. I'm sorry. The disciples were filled with joy and the spirit. Rejoice in hope. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. We rejoice in our sufferings. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The fruit of the Spirit is joy over and over again. Joy was always and only meant to be found in God. And He distributes that joy through the blessings He gives us, but those are never the source of the joy, really. It's always meant to be God. But He's so unseen. And this Krispy Kreme donut's right here, and I can see it. I can get joy from that. Satan wants you to keep putting your weight on all these visible things for your joy because he knows that it won't last. In other words, faith in God is your only shield. It is the, God is the only place to be putting your weight. You know, the Bible's full of promises. And I thought I would give you some of the promises God has given out. Because those things are so good to remember. You know, oh, God has promised this. I can have faith in that. But as I prepared to do that, I was reminded of how conditional these promises are. You know, a conditional promise is, yes, I'll give you this, but you have to do this first. There's a condition to it. So I'm going to read you some promises, but I want you to listen for the condition. Here's a promise. God will fulfill your desire. All right. God will fulfill my desire? Yes, Psalm 145, 19. God will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. Revere him. Psalm 103, 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. Psalm 31, 19 says, God has stored up goodness. But there's a condition. It says, how great is thy goodness which thou hast stored up for those who fear thee. There's a promise in Psalm 34 that you won't be condemned. You won't be condemned. But there's a condition. None of those who take refuge in God will be condemned. There's so many of these I can read and I don't want to lose you. Here's a promise just for blessing, Psalm 212. But there's a condition. How blessed 
are those who take refuge in Him. I won't even keep going. There are probably 30 of these I can read to you. I'm not even going to keep going. I think you get the idea. I don't want you to misunderstand God. God is loving. He blesses people. He is great and wonderful. But he's not just going around tossing out candy like in a parade to the kids who are just going to go home. He is the blessing. We want all these good things apart from God. But no, it is God. He is the blessing. We want this shield of faith to just shield us from the bad stuff so we can go on about our our business. But no, God is the shield. If you're not going to be all about God, you're just going to be naked on the battlefield. So many of us want to come to church and get our blessing and go home and go on about our business. Life without God, ignoring Him. But there is no blessing without God. There is no shield without God. Now, if I had to give you something practical here, it would be this. You and I need to go home from this place and really think about our relationship with God. That sounds cliche, but actually hear hear those words though. You and I need to go home and really think about our relationship with God. What are we really trying to shield ourselves behind? What are we giving our kids in preparation for life? Do's and don'ts, are we giving them a vision of God? A God big enough that they can be shielded behind faith in Him? What are we doing when we sing all these songs about God? I heard somebody say once that worship, meaning musical worship, is the highest form of spiritual battle. I can't remember who said it. He said, worship, referring to musical worship, is the highest form of spiritual battle. Now, when I think about spiritual battle, I think maybe about prayer or like memorizing some scripture and shooting at it, Satan. And this guy's perspective was that, no, those things are vital, but worship is the highest form of spiritual battle. And I, could, I never have understood that until more recently. But it's in worship that we are basking in God and who He is. These songs that we sing, I pray that they'll echo in our minds through the week. That when Satan's arrows start to come, we don't grab anything else to shield ourselves but this God that we were singing about. Some of us, I think, maybe just need some time. Honestly, raise your hand if you just are busy. If you could say that 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 is true of you, you're busy. Well, not as many as I expected. (coughs) Maybe a Sunday morning shoulder cramps again. I have not talked to anybody in the last decade that did not express something that they are busy. And everybody thinks they're busier than the next guy. I suspect that we're all just busy enough to never slow down to think about this kind of stuff. But maybe what you need is just some time. Some time to look at God and remember who He is. And look at your situation and 
remember, well, that's bad, but it's not too bad for God to shield me from it. Time to look in the scripture and, and remind yourselves of some of these promises. Like just that one in Isaiah. Alone. Let me read that one to you one more time. That's a really good one. Do not fear, for I am with you. Don't anxiously look about, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Some of us just need some time to let that soak in to the soil of our heart so that that the fruit of spirit can grow there. Some of us, some of you I know have specific situations that you know God is saying, you can put your weight on me and trust me with this. What is that situation? Now, I think the way I'd like to close out is that I would like to be available to pray with any of you who might want to. Um, And it's okay if nobody does. Now, that can take place during this final song or after the benediction. I think I'm going to stay put up here after the benediction. So if anybody just wants to talk about something or pray, uh, I'll be here. But I love you all very much. And I see the ugly beneath the surface in a lot of lives at the church. And I want you to know that if you think you're alone, that you're the only one with arrows sticking out of your back and Satan's got you, you're not. And I want you to know that I love you and that I really do believe in this God that I tell you about all the time. And that you can put your faith in him. And it is a shield that can protect your entirety. Let's pray. Father, please give us a big, grand, glorious vision of you and who you are. And help us, man, just help us in the nitty-gritty, difficult, emotionally charged instances of the week to step behind that shield. Help us to see how to do that practically. Because there's still decisions to be made, conversations to be had, uh, difficult things to be struggled through. We can't just curl up in, a, in the fetal position in our prayer closet all week. We, we have to live. Show us how to live behind the protection of faith in you. Every step. Lord, we rely on you. We rely on you totally for this. Please help us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.